Hey, it's a new year, and it's a new Esteban Fajardo, your host and co-host. I'm Catherine Fox. New year, new you. New year, new me. New year, new free Wi-Fi. I'm excited because we haven't recorded in, like, weeks, and we're, we're, we're rearing to go. It's going to be better and stronger than ever, despite the fact that none of us remember anything that happened in 2018, I guess, because... Uh, how do we do... How do we, how do we do podcasts? I forgot. Well, we hit the record button. And then, and then we start we talking, just, we I guess. Ch- we just chat. When we left off back in 2018. Yes. You set out a challenge mm-hmm. to you and me and any of our listeners that wanted to join in to make holiday cards to celebrate yes. the new year, celebrate the season. And uh, and we did it. We made each other some cards. Yeah, we actually did it. I'm like super proud of us. It was very down to the wire for me. Uh, <laughs> we can talk a bit about the process later, but yeah. I was finishing mine in the hours before leaving on an international flight. But you know what? Get... It turned out really, really well. Oh, thank you. Thank and you. and we'll go into more detail. But um, we had a couple of other submissions from our, some friends of ours that are also great. Previous guest, Jocelyn Kim. Yeah, she made us one. I mean, they're password protected because they're like individual cards for like individual people. Those ones are very, and very, very personal. They're very sweet. And it, I, it felt very warm and nice and very, very good. Good job, Jocelyn. Shout out to Jocelyn for making a incredible, beautiful collection of cards. Did you, um, friends. did you play Kevin's? No. Did Kevin make one? Kevin made one. You didn't play it? Wait, where do I find this? Um, it's on Itch.io. I believe it's also a web player. Oh, also, like, good job making web players. I didn't have to download it or anything. Oops, I'm like, I should have done that. <laughs> no, I really wanted to do that too, but I couldn't figure it out in time. Um, yeah, but, but, but good, right good job, y'all. I think a web player is always the way to go for little games like this. Yeah, web player is the way of the future. All right, I'm playing Kevin's right now. Okay. Holiday spoof on David O'Reilly's mountain. Oh yeah, I'm here for it. <laughs> I, Wait, Kevin I, says it takes more than 20 minutes to play. Um, I didn't play it that long. I I love Kevin's. It's really funny. Because I remember playing Mountain and just, it, oh man, it's so silly. But it does give me motion sickness to, to look at. Wait, what? <laughs> Kevin's game gives me motion sickness. Are you not looking at it right right now? I'm, I'm still downloading it. Oh, okay, it. never mind. I'm opening the zip. It gives you motion sickness. This is a He in, goes a intriguing... little ham on the chromatic aberration, I think. <laughs> Wait a second. Did he use the same uh, tombstone uh, icon image that I used for the investigation game? Uh, I don't know. Or is that... Wait, what's happening? I think, okay, I actually have a glitch like that too. So every time I open a Unity build on my computer, the icon is a little picture of Alec crouching. What? Because it's the icon you guys use for his birthday card, I think. And so now every... Um... I don't know how to change it. <laughs> okay, so if you make a Unity project and you don't set an icon for that but application, I, I, I did it set will an default... Icon. Oh, but you had set one. Yeah. Oh, that's mysterious then. Okay. But I'm yeah, if I don't set one either, the default is Alec crouching. <laughs> so it's it's really funny, um, and I don't know how to fix it. I like how my so... default image is now just a tombstone. Oh, goodness. I'm playing Kevin's right now. What? <laughs> Why is his shaking? <laughs> I know. Oh, no. Yeah, it's the shaking. It's, it's really hard to look at. What is going on? All right, if it's like Mountain, this means I'm just going to keep it off to the side. Um, yeah, I highly, and see what appears. We got to 
we gotta overlay the the music from this game on this section right now so that everybody can hear what I'm hearing, which is just a nightmare. This is a really clever idea, though. So I'm gonna describe it very briefly. Uh, David O'Reilly's Mountain is a game where there's just a mountain floating in space, and very slowly over time, things fly in from space and collide with the mountain, and it just becomes a bit more. Uh, it's just full of weird things. It's like a slow motion Katamari in space. And Kevin has recreated that with a Christmas tree, where it is slowly filling with ornaments, just colliding with it at high velocity, and occasionally toasters and other objects are sticking to it too. And the music is, is horrifying. It, <laughs> it is 100% the card that Kevin would make. It, it, oh, yeah, I'm, there's so much Kevin in this. It's delightful. Uh, I love Kevin's work. It's so good. <laughs> Oh yeah, there's now a donut on the tree. Oh, this is so good. This is so good. Everyone made such good holiday cards. Does he use the same music as uh, Mountain? No, this is using an extremely slowed down version of the Pokemon Christmas Bash. How do you know that? <laughs> I just it, couldn't figure out what song it was. Uh, well, there's a few different songs that it can be. It can be Plastic Love. It could be Last Christmas. Um, and it says this on the, the itch. The itch account. Oh, okay. Wow, this is so good. This is so good. Uh, I, I I didn't get very far because it, it it did hurt my eyes to look at, unfortunately. I think he went a little too hard on, on the shaky camera. I don't understand why it's vibrating. <laughs> I know, it's it it, it actually it, it it does actually hurt me to look at it, so I'm 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 sad about that, but um... I also other favorite detail. Tiny favorite detail. Way to go, Kevin. The snow that's falling is falling extremely fast and it's upsetting me. <laughs> oh, is it like Everything else is in slow motion, but the the trees slowly rotate. But snow is... snow should drift pleasantly, right? Mystically, this is like hail, but it's snow. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it's extremely upsetting <laughs> and extremely good. Uh, oh, so good! Uh, well done, Kevin. Well done. We, we love it. Well done, Jocelyn. I didn't see any other cards that people made. Did you see any others? I saw yours. I I saw yours too. You want to tell me about yours? Yeah, so um, mine is called, um, what is it, Winter Woods, which coincidentally is the name of a scented candle in my parents' house, <laughs> which is something I noticed when I went home for the holidays, <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, that's the name of my game, but it's called Winter Woods. Um, you basically play this little bird person uh, taking a walk in the woods, and it's kind of like a rhythm game where you're like moving this branch up and down to catch these like green fairies. Um, and it's very simple. It actually doesn't require like you don't have to do that. You can just like put it on and watch it play. Um, so it's less of a game and more just like it's a nice activity an to do though. Card. Nice to just like ah, yeah. Um, and and it, it uses a song from this anime called Girls Last Tour in it and it's very like mystical and kind of spooky but also really magical and nice and that was that's kind of what I was going for. There was a ghost in yours. I wasn't expecting that on a holiday card. <laughs> there are several ghosts. Oh, there's several. Um yeah, visually I actually based it off of this um comic that I will share with you right now. Please do. I'm curious about the visual inspiration because it's uh it is dripping with mood and texture. Uh, Ghost Goes in the Door by John Clay Clayson Classen. I was going for this just quiet mood, 
so it's 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 a little spooky. There's some ghosts, but you know they're just hanging out in the forest. Mm-hmm. I wanted to recreate the feeling of going for this really quiet, serene walk in the woods in the middle in the dead of winter, um, mm-hmm. where it's like it's very monochromatic and quiet, and the snow is muffling all the sounds. You can like feel the air just around you. So I was just kind of going mm-hmm. for that. Um, and visually, I used this um, comic by John Clason. Clayson? I don't know. Um, yeah. That I found a few years ago on Tumblr, and I bookmarked it because I really wanted to to use that visual style in a game like this, and I thought this was a good opportunity to try that out because um, it does this really cool thing where um, the ghost doesn't actually have any form; it's just eyes, and then the only way you see it is when it's juxtaposed against other. Yeah, things. it's just the negative space. Yeah, it's just yeah. the negative space that creates the ghost, which is a really cool effect. So. That's kind of what I was going for here. Yeah, uh, your card was very unexpected to me, but I, in retrospect, it was like, oh no, this makes a lot of sense. This is uh, <laughs> this is very Fox. <laughs> what, what do you What do you mean? It was uh... it was unexpected. Well, uh, a holiday card is often not a little spooky, you know, right? Um, if they're atmospheric, it's usually a very narrow range of atmosphere that uh, you know, like the Christmas spirit and season. Um, but yours was more somber. Mm-hmm but not in an unpleasant way, in a very tranquil way. And that's that really captured what I think your experience goal was, which, like, your your experience goal was, like, that feeling of stepping through snow in a quiet woods, being by yourself and at peace in a way. And, like, that, that I felt that. Yeah. I, felt that. I think you accomplished that goal. I, I think so, too. Like, I was going for something not sad, but lonely, kind of, and just, like, reflective, I guess is also a good yeah. word. A very sophisticated emotion. Mm-hmm. incredible incredible super well done yeah. that was great thanks i'm glad you liked it yeah so i i played yours too and it's it's joyful and i love it you give us a, a summary of what it is uh yeah so very simply uh you control an ice skater using the arrow keys or WASD, um and you can uh it's a top down top down little ice skating rink or frozen lake rather you spin yourself around and you can dance on this on this uh, on the ice and there's presents that you can pick up and give to people who are sitting uh, around the circle if you deliver the present to the person who matches the same color then they will also join on the rink and they'll animate around and they'll spin around and they'll be skating too it's so, so good it fills me with so much joy to play it <laughs> i i'm very very glad to hear that it's just so sweet and i love it so my goals were to, like, I wanted to capture joyful feelings of, of gratitude and try to capture that holiday spirit and was thinking a lot about, like, it often feels better to give than to receive. I wanted the player's action to be about trying to give gifts to other people and then make the movement on that thing very uh, fun and silly and challenging in, in, in that sort of way, which I think worked well because my I got to see my mom play it, which was, like, so delightful. Uh, we were waiting at the airport, and she pulled it up and was like, I'm going to go play your card. Aww. And uh, she kept just, like, running into things and bumping and, like, would just barely miss, like, one of the presents and would be like, no! And then, we're like, one of the scares would come by, she'd bump in and be like, ah! But it was, like, it was fun challenge. It was it was a lot of laughter, a lot of giggling. And so I felt very, very happy and proud to, to, to have been able to put together this small, little, simple game. Mm-hmm. But... There's a bunch of ridiculous hacks that I used to, to shortcut through and make sure I could build this game in effectively just a few hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I did notice that. Did you did you forget about the frame requirement? Because it was just kind of did you not see a frame? There. No, there's a frame. Oh no! But it's just like believe it or not, believe it or not, I started with that frame. 
That's your placeholder frame that you didn't replace later? Uh, I tried to make a replacement for it, and I spent some time making a more sophisticated one, but it just didn't feel right. And the one that I stuck with didn't feel right either, but I didn't have time to figure out how else to... I don't think either of us did much with the frame requirement. (laughs) Like, we just kind of stuck it on there. (laughs) I I also started with a placeholder frame because I knew I was going to forget it if I didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did did make one a little bit later. I, I think I think yours is great. I really like how the emotion of yours is conveyed through the interactions that you do, through the mechanics, and not just not just through visuals and audio. But it's like I'm I'm doing a thing, and it's making me feel this thing, and it's really good. Also, like the scarves are super cute, and I don't know how oh, you did yeah. it in the scarves. <laughs> um. So one of the, the the very first idea that I had with trying to figure out what to do with this card was that I wanted to use a trail render for something. something. I was thinking that, okay, yeah, it was like, it, it was, okay, I want to use a trail render because uh, trail renders always look nice, even though they require, like, almost no effort. You just stick it on the thing and you can change a few parameters. And I was like, all right, on an ice skating rink, the trail that they leave behind, like, that Yeah, the ice that could work really marks. well. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to, wanted to use a trail render for... for skate marks because that's a very easy way that the player with very little interaction can see a huge effect sort of on the world so that started with um, that and then I realized oh wait I can use the trail renderers to also make scarves and so that's really what all that's happening it was so, such a cute it's just touch. shorter and tighter yeah I it's a, just a trail renderer I, I was like so confused I was like how did he do that because it looks so good <laughs> yeah so like my biggest hacks were like I didn't have time to do any animation and I'm that's that's my weakest point in terms of just pipeline like I can animate and I'm fairly confident in my skills like as an animator but the pipeline to do it is something that like I always struggle with and have like forgotten in many years since doing it and like I don't want to spend all that time rigging a skeleton and then animating importing and all that stuff I was like I don't have time for that I don't have time to to relearn how to how to rig and set up all that stuff so there's no animation in the game I just made two different models one of them sitting one of them standing we'll just switch between those two static meshes, which are just still. But that means that they need some sort of life, some sort of animation. And so that's when uh, the idea of freezing the scarf came in, so that they could still feel lively without actually animating. Yeah, and I think it's really successful. I was looking at a bunch of other holiday cards as references, and often the figures on them are just very primitive shaped. I did a similar thing with um, uh, a different game that I've been working on and stuff where it was a similar thing where it's just like, okay, I just need to show this gray box thing, but it'd be better if the character, like the, the character needs to animate, but I don't want to go through rigging and modeling. Cause again, like that's uh, just not where my strong suit is. And I'll be mm-hmm. wasting a lot of time doing that. Yeah. It's not necessary so I did the same. for a small project <laughs> like this. So I hacked together the same thing where it's just, uh, it has a walk cycle with like several, fr- several frames, but it's just, uh, it's just swapping static meshes to do it. <laughs> wait, which, wait, walk cycle. In, in your yeah, holiday th- card? not for this, not for the holiday oh. card. This is for a different game that I've been I've been putting uh, okay. together. Okay, so it's frame animation, um, but three D. Exactly, it's frame animation, but three D. And so my my uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely inspired by seeing Into the Spider Verse. Oh my god, like credits! I saw that last week. We can talk about that later. The end credits of the of the film have like each frame of the of their three D animation just sort of like in a line. Oh shoot, I didn't see that. I was looking by. at my phone. You fool! I, I, you there fool. were other people in the theater. I didn't want to look too interested. <laughs> I was really self-conscious. Okay, I had to get used to going to the theater by myself. But, sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, I gotta ask you how that went. Um, yeah. 
your first your first solo theater experience welcome to the club <laughs> it's actually not that bad um sorry like frame animation in 3d yeah so my maya files just look like it, it just has all of the quote-unquote frames of the animation just like in a line and so it looks looks really funny but it works out pretty well because it's got a it's got a cool choppy animation style that uh i'm sure there's a way you could do that with a rig where like you go you can go into the animation curve and instead of making it like a curve you can make it like um like a, those blocky curves i don't know what they're called yeah but making rigs is hard like learning learning knowing like the the pipeline is is good to know especially if you're like working with an artist but yeah, it gets really complicated really fast. Um, but there are simple ways to do it. Like instead of making a skeleton, you could just parent limbs to different things and change their pivots mm-hmm. and, and things like that. If you're just making like a really simple, um, yeah, um, like blocky rig, uh, it's not my strong suit either. Um, it takes a lot of time to get right. Yeah, but you had some animation in yours. So how did you put yours together? Um, well, <laughs> the only animation in mine was the um the character's walk sequence which was just a couple of frames um and i used the unity animator to put that together which i always i forget how to use every time and i'm usually just clicking a bunch of buttons until it works and i don't think like people hate the unity animator um i'm not entirely sure why do they still hate it i know that they changed the animation system and i haven't heard as many complaints since then so i don't know if that was the old system or the current maybe i need maybe i need to relearn how to how to use it the only other movement for the character is the um, is the arm, um, which is mm-hmm. actually when you press the button, it cycles through. Um, so I so to clarify, I, I made this entirely with PlayMaker. I didn't really I didn't do any specific coding like in C Sharp or anything myself. So what happens with the arm is that I have a I think it's a, I have an array of or like of numbers that are um, the degree of angle that I want it to be at. So when you press spacebar, I think it it goes to the next number in that array and assigns it to like the rotation value of that arm. And the way I got it to work with the uh, colliding, like I didn't use a collider. Um, when so what? so one of the things you have to do, do you- is catch these butterflies. And I tried really hard to make it work with a collider, like have a collider mm-hmm. on on the butterfly and a collider on the end of the stick. So when the collider had disappeared and it upped your score or whatever, but for whatever uh-huh. reason, like I just couldn't get that to work. Sounds really simple. I, I don't know what was, I couldn't figure it out. So what happens is each butterfly, there's like a type of butterfly. There's like a, a high butterfly, a middle butterfly, a low butterfly. Uh-huh. And when they get to a certain point, they check to what they, they check the angle of the arm and if the arm's at a specific angle then it's like <laughs> okay i kill myself or, or I, I i get destroyed or i will move on to the next point like past the screen where i'll get destroyed anyway so no that works so instead of a collider it just checks what the <laughs> angle is of the arm and if it's the correct angle for that butterfly then it then you catch the butterfly but it's dumb and terrible <laughs> <laughs> no i think that's actually that's no less efficient I can understand the, the the embarrassment for not being able to get the collider to work as the initial solution, but the the route that you went, it's just it works just as well. It, in fact, it might even work better uh, if we we're being really really fine with the amount of calculations that have to happen every frame or something. It's better to not have have a collision. Not that it matters for our tiny 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 games, but like what you did was good. 
it's still the game still chugs a little bit, and I think I know why. Oh no! Do you want to know the other stupid thing I did? Yes, please. So everything that moves left, butterflies, trees, some of the ghosts, uh-huh. like all the ghosts, uh-huh. those are all prefabs being spawned by uh-huh. like spawn points uh, to they, uh, like the right side of the screen. Do they ever get deleted? They do get deleted eventually. Um, they have to have reached a certain point on the far left, like past where the camera sees. Yeah. But like, oh, well, that's fine. Yeah, that's but right each, each one of those prefabs has a script that's like, I'm moving to the left. I'm like checking to see. I, I don't even know like what my speed should be, and like it, it's it's doing all this stuff. And I feel like having every single tree a prefab. <laughs> there's th- there's three layers of trees. Uh-huh. There's uh, one layer of ghost. And then there's one layer for, <laughs> and there's one layer for the fairies, um, and it's a lot of prefabs. After a certain point, there's like a hundred prefabs or, or more on the screen at one time. So I don't know. I for me, the game chugged a little bit after a certain point. So I, yeah. I just feel like it was still really inefficient. And there's a better way to make that parallax. Yeah, the the act of instantiating, I think, is much more expensive than anything else that you're doing. Okay, like, that's so pretty, it's the instantiation; so, it's not the prefabs themselves. Yeah, yeah okay. it's not it's not the the prefabs themselves, probably. Um, although I'm sure if all of them are running stuff in update. Um, I'm not sure because there's no there's nothing called update in in right. You're using Playmaker. In Playmaker, that that's the one drawback to Playmaker. I'm not entirely sure what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know how much is in yeah. update and how much is in its own functions. I don't think you've got much to worry about. It was if I had to identify one thing that would have been causing that uh, chugging, it would have been instantiating things. Okay, um, but I don't. I don't think you should be too embarrassed. Uh, like I, I think that all that all works good. That all works fine. But there's got to be a better way to achieve that, like forest, like parallax effect with random trees. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know what that is. <laughs> Well, listeners, if you have any ideas or comments, please reach out to us on our brand new Twitter handle that we just invented. Yeah, well, by, by the time this episode goes up, actually, as of right now, I, I made it before we started recording. We, we, have, um, we have a Twitter account. It's at Free Wi-Fi Podcast, um, and that's where we'll post updates and uh, links to stuff, too. Yeah, we might put some in-progress stuff in there, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Uh, that'll be that'll be a great place to like share mm-hmm. things that you make and share questions for sure. Yeah, you wanna you wanna move on talk about. Yeah, I wanted to talk. I wanted to talk about like both of our cards are very like emblematic of our differing approaches to game design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yours definitely. yours is very like mechanically focused. Um, so all yeah. all your everything you're going for, all your emotions are conveyed not only through like audiovisual stuff, but through like the actual like interactions and stuff you're doing. Whereas with my approach, it relies a lot on audiovisuals, which I'm not like totally satisfied with personally. I think I could learn a lot from your stuff. I, I think I have a lot of work to do trying to distill emotions that I want to convey into actual interactions in a game, because that's what games are. <laughs> like, I think ultimately what I made was. Um, it was like a music video uh, rather than a rather than a game, which I'm not totally satisfied with. I'm definitely gonna have questions in the reciprocal because I think my game looks like poop. Really, I, I think it's really sweet. I, I I don't know. <laughs> what 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 about I don't you like? Um, I I don't know. I just think that the composition is really flat and boring. I had no idea how I was gonna fit the text in there in a way that would look nice. But in terms of uh, how I was getting my mechanical focus and like interactions to work i can walk you through the steps that 
I go through when I'm starting to conceptualize a game. Yes, please. I would like. I would love to know. So today's main topic: design goals and figuring out mandates. Mandates. Um, what is that? Mandate. What do you mean by yeah. mandates? If you're designing for a client, the client will give you a mandate, and that's sort of your goal as the designer to try and match and reach that mandate. Like, um, and I think mandate is a useful term in game design. Because if you're saying the goal when you're referring to games, oftentimes that's a little confusing. Are you talking about the developer's goal? Or are you talking about the player's goal? Figuring that out can get like tricky. So the mandate is what uh, I, as a designer, am trying to fulfill. And the goal is often referring to what the player's goal in the game will be, if there is a goal. Um, okay. And sometimes that goal isn't as easy as just like getting a ball into a goal. It could be... Or <laughs> shoot, there's that word, goal again. Um, <laughs> so... Mandates are like designer goals and goals yeah. are player goals. Yeah. And the mandate can have other uh, restrictions or parameters sort of with it. And so that's often the very first thing that I'm doing is I'm figuring out what are the known parameters that I'm working with. Um, so for the card, I knew the parameters were going to be, it needs to be something that can be played in just a few minutes. It needs to exist on this single screen. It should ideally have a frame, although... As soon as I started working on that game, I was like, oh, that was a silly rule because if you Google holiday cards, Christmas cards, any sort of cards, no one puts frames on their cards anymore. What was I thinking? <laughs> That's not how you make it look like a card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was maybe a silly parameter. Um, but yeah, so th those are part of the parameters. And often when I'm writing a design document, at the very top, I'll have sort of like the premise or the log line, the like one sentence elevator pitch, but that's the last thing often that I end up filling in. I have to have a very complete idea of what the game is going to be before I can come up with that elevator pitch often. So right below that, I'll be putting the parameters, and the parameters are going to be, as I just said, like those are, the game needs to fit inside of that sort of box. Those are the bounds uh, that it, the experience should go within. Or like the, the next thing that I'm trying to figure out is what the experience goal for the player is going to be. What do I want the player to be feeling while they're doing it? And I try to spell it out very, very clearly. Uh, yeah, for the holiday card, like I wanted the player to feel gratitude and joy and kinship, uh, a sense of community. Um, since this was for friends, I wanted it to feel like it is a, about community, sort of in in a way like that. And yeah, to capture that that holiday that holiday feeling. So that was the, the experience goal. And the experience goal then breaks into like what's the player's goal? So like, what do I want? the experience to feel like and then what does the player try to accomplish and does that fit sort of within the experience goal and so the, the player's goal in the game is to gift presence to, to other people and that satisfies a number of parts of the experience goal another subsequent thing of trying to figure out the experience goal is to try and nail down what the fantasy of the player is and the fantasy is like every game of course like has role-playing elements to it you're taking on a role when you're playing a game you're fulfilling a dream of some kind so what is a dream that the player will want to be inhabiting that'll make them excited to to be playing this game what's something they might fantasize of doing that they can fulfill uh in the game itself and so i try to outline specifically like what the fantasy is in the holiday card it's like being in a peaceful winter wonderland which is very different from los angeles <laughs> very much a fantasy over here yeah. <laughs> the yeah. ability to go ice skating on a lake <laughs> being all snuggled up in the cold weather like that was part of the uh, the fantasy so i try to like very clearly write that down and outline what it's going to be and then from there only after i like have those outlined and figured out do i start 
looking at like what the mechanics are going to be to fulfill each of those. And if I don't fulfill all of them, that's okay. I can scratch them out and change that. Don't the player goals kind of fit into the fantasy? Like uh, the goal is like give people presents or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both the player goal and the fantasy are like subcategories of the experience, kind of. Uh, okay. So they're, they're related in that way. It's possible to define the mechanic in the player goal, but often I don't try to do that. I try to make the player goal more abstract until I'm defining the mechanic to satisfy that player goal. So like, for example, the player goal is to give presents. And so the mechanic is going to be, how are those presents delivered? And that's going to be, okay, you pick it up by touching it, running into it, and then you touch another player to deliver it. The, the fantasy player goal is give presents. The mechanical player goal is find your way to point A, navigate to point B. Once I can understand both of those and figure out how they relate that's how the mechanics develop and hopefully satisfy the uh, the experience goal and uh, the mandate and all that other stuff. Oh man, that's so that's so professional and well thought out. <laughs> <laughs> My process is very different. <laughs> I think that shows. <laughs> yeah, how do you approach it? What's what, what are the the steps in, in terms well, of Well, you... I think for me it starts with an emotion which is more often than not like that emotion is coupled with um some kind of visual motif um and then i just do whatever i have to to get that to work um so a lot of the times interaction becomes more of an afterthought it sounds like the same process though it sounds like you're thinking of like what's the emotion and then what's the immediate visual style that couples with that emotion Mm -hmm. And then you're thinking of just mechanics that can, yeah, that can so support or fit into I guess it. it is a similar process. At least for, for the holiday card, I knew the emotion and the experience I wanted. And the visual style didn't come right away. It spawned from like the emotion that I wanted to convey. And then when I tried to think about mechanics, I was like trying to think of something that was... To, to give players something to do that would help them feel chill. Yeah, I guess it is a similar process. But it's... I don't know. I, I don't have it as distilled and thought out into categories as you do it's all very amorphous in my head i only have those categories very formalized because uh the process of writing a game design document required me to figure out how to codify Mm. those different those different parts that probably explains why game design documents are the bane of my existence (laughs) (laughs) every time i write one i'm just i just like i stop and i'm like i don't know how to start to write this like what do i start with i think i'm getting a little better just because i've been doing a lot more of them at work and and things like that but um yeah so i'm working on a game design document for a client right now and the process that i've been using is like i've got the document itself in one tab i'll have a different document in a different tab that's more just scratch paper where i'm just throwing Mm. every idea as soon as i have it goes on there and Uh, just random unorganized bullet point and then i have a i'll either have paper on my desk or um, a visual program on the computer open where I can diagram out ideas because it helps to see the relationships in terms of like flow charts or graphs or any other visual representation or like just drawing stick figures acting out um, an interaction that I perceive and I try to diagram those out before codifying it more formally into a game mm-hmm. design document. Like that helps me out a lot too. Yeah, my, my process is pretty similar. At work I have um, a, a notepad at my desk that I usually just like, I just scratch random stuff in. It feels better for me to use like a pen on paper. Scratch paper. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. I did have one other last question about making of your game. Yeah. How did you determine what uh, height the, um, the, the butterflies were going to come in? Oh yeah, so it's um it's random. It it basically chooses between three spawn points. It's a lot of randomness. Um, that's the same way the trees work too. Um, there's an array of sprites. 
Um, so it spawns the prefab tree, and the tree is like, ooh, I'm alive. Let's choose a sprite to use. <laughs> um, and it's like, chooses a random sprite, and then moves on. And then the spawner itself waits um, between a random, a random amount between maybe like a second or so, and then spawns a new tree, and the process starts again. So one thing I'm constantly being reminded of is that everything is way more complicated than it, it, it seems. <laughs> like doing even the <laughs> simplest thing takes like an hour of work. Which yeah, is, games are so hard. I, yeah, it's so hard. It's ridiculous. Like, if I, I feel so rusty when it comes to just prototyping things, I always forget. Like, oh my gosh, I have to think about every single little way this is going to work. Like the moment it has to start thinking about existing, and then has to learn how to exist, and then <laughs> it has to know like how to act once it exists, and it has to know how to die. Um, every tree is your baby. Every tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I. I think the the biggest revelation to someone who doesn't know how games made is like it's less about getting things to work and and more about getting things t- to look like they're working. Um, <laughs> so uh, game design's wild and I love it and um, I want to make more stuff. Yeah, I had a great I had a great time. Thank you so much for uh, suggesting that uh, we do this for the holidays. What's next? I actually don't know. <laughs> oh, you did a Let's Play series with your brother um, of Harvest Moon, and you made some really <laughs> interesting points, and I'm just going to plug that real quick because I think it's great, uh, and I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, my brother has a channel called Let's Play, and uh, he was publishing a video a day of myself and uh, my brother playing through uh, original SNES Harvest Moon and just sort of talking about its development, talking about its design, uh, arguing whether it's good design or bad design. Um, but definitely looking very hard at how how it was how it was built and how the design interactions uh, affect the player. So I think we have a good conversation. The audio quality is not super great, and we're a little embarrassed about that. But uh, I still think it's worth listening to. The episodes are only like eight or ten minutes long each, um, except for the first one. So uh, go ahead and check them out if you want. That's Left's play, like left-handed. Get it? It's a joke. It's a joke. Get it. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a pun. <laughs> so yeah, go ahead and check those out and give my brother give my brother a follow. He makes a lot of uh, a lot of videos, a lot of good stuff. Yeah, I um, it got me thinking about uh, my Remoon game again because um, I've been playing a lot of Stardew Valley, mm-hmm. um, which was one of the things I wanted to do because Stardew Valley is basically it's kind of my mission statement where I'm remaking Harvest Moon, but it goes a very different direction with it. So it's it was interesting for me to look at that. So I think one of the things I want to do is just think more about Rain Moon and what I want the end product to be, which is going to involve a game design document, which I'm not yeah, wild or about. Even if, it's just, even if it's just part of one, I think it might be useful to start setting up what you want your parameters to be, what you want the experience goal to be. And then if you want to start looking at what the player goal and fantasy will be as part of that experience goal, you can do that. And you don't even need to start thinking about the mechanics, but just try to put to put to paper what you're feeling sort of are what you want the game to feel like. Have you thought about uh, interactive game or, or in- investigation game? <laughs> it's an interactive game, y'all. <laughs> interactive games? I haven't thought about interactive games before. That sounds like really neat. That sounds like a really nice idea. But uh, investigation <laughs> game, have you had any new thoughts about that over the over the holiday now that you've had a little bit of a breather? Yeah, now that I've had a breather, I just want to just get back to it. Um, I don't really have a whole lot of new ideas or notes, but I did find the game design document that I originally wrote for it. I totally forgot that I had it. Nice font. It Thank you. I I think choosing... So I set my game design documents up with the like typewriter font. Yeah. <laughs> so I it looks actually, like a screenplay. 
it makes it way more fun to to write the game design document because it feels like official it feels like a like a document you would use on a on a on a screenplay like you're on set and you like all right what's the plan and then you see it. that's actually a pro tip like if you're writing a game design document and you're not wild about it like customize your format like make custom mm-hmm. like headers make your game design design document look nice it's fun and it's more fun to work on it that way yeah Part of that yeah. is uh, using typewriter font, which I enjoy. So yeah, the the design document I think has a lot of stuff that hasn't changed, but I might go through it and update it with um, any of the new changes. I have different UI sketches that I've made for how the interactions should work, and I might try to convert those to a digital format because they're just uh, on paper. And then I will try prototyping it and see how, how those feel. So going forward with, with free Wi-Fi into 2019, one of the things I want to do um, is every episode have... Uh, a discussion question be that uh, I have this question about how Unity works or I have this like abstract design question that I want to discuss like what's the best way to make my game the most accessible or like do I, should I think about left-handed people with this game or whatever um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, as the resident left-handed person here yes please <laughs> please let me play with the arrow keys and one of the things I would like to hear from more is also like I want to hear from listeners and see if they have any questions that they want us to discuss. We have a Twitter now. If you have a design question, tweet it at us and maybe we'll go over it in an episode. So, Do you want to pose any any design questions for discussion this week? Well, the only question I had was um, every time I open Unity, it feels like there's a new version of Unity and it's <laughs> asking me if I want to update. So my question to you, Esteban, is do I really need to update <laughs> Unity this often? I think this is such a widespread problem with Unity devs that Unity has now launched a Unity Hub application, which allows you to launch whatever version of Unity you want from one application. Really? Rather than having, yeah, rather than having a dozen versions of Unity stuck to your taskbar so you can <laughs> pull up the right one. I have like uh, Chambara Unity. I have Unity 2017 point blah. I've, got I've Unity just been deleting the point. old Unities. <laughs> Well, now with the hub, you can launch and download whichever versions and it'll hold on to all of them so that your projects, if they're using different versions of Unity from the hub, you can access it with uh, the version it was natively built with. It's like Battle.net, but for Unity. <laughs> you know what? That's uh, upsettingly more accurate than than uh, I wanted to realize. <laughs> you're right. If anybody has any suggestions or other questions, please reach out to us. I think that wraps up everything Everything we've got. You got any cool things coming up in the next week? In a couple hours, I'm going to go and pick up a desk from a friend who's moving away and he needs to get rid of his desk. Um, Ooh, so my office desk. is going to upgrade a little bit if I can fit the desk in my car because it's actually kind of big. Oh! Sorry, hold on. I just accidentally... <laughs> <laughs> you just like slammed the desk with enthusiasm. Well, I, I accidentally clicked my mouse and changed windows. Um... One thing I do want to talk about real quick is that I saw Spider-Verse, and it's very, very good. I saw it on my birthday. I went to a movie by myself. Never been to a movie by myself. It was a very good movie, but I was very self-conscious. Um, <laughs> going to the movies by yourself, it's um, it's a new experience for me. But I think you, you've done this already multiple times. Yeah, I go to the movies by myself all the time. It's always shameful, but... <laughs> It can be fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I almost want to see Spider-Verse again with people to like freak out with them about it because it's really yeah. good. It's really, really good. Take your friends to see Spider-Verse. Do you have any pro tips for how to see movies by yourself? I did get Twizzlers. And you know what? Twizzlers kind of suck. Like, what? They don't, no, Twizzlers rule. No, they don't taste like much. 
the, the strawberry flavor is barely there. It feels like plastic in my mouth. Like I'm <laughs> chewing it. And it's like, I feel like I, I really feel like I'm eating plastic and it's barely flavored. Like the strawberry flavor is just barely there. And I, I don't, I, I, I used to love Twizzlers so much and they're just a little bit too hard. They're not soft enough. They just need to be just a little bit softer. And it, it sounds like I would like red vines, but like I always found red vines just too waxy. Yeah, I don't like I don't like the taste. You know what, Twizzlers, a two out of ten. You know, wow, <laughs> that low. Okay, maybe like a, a two out of five. Still, some crazy burns on Twizzlers yeah. from Catherine Fox. So, if you want like a sweet movie snack, I think something like Sour Patch Kids might be a better go-to. But those are really sour, so I would recommend. I was gonna say you said a sweet snack, and then you said Sour Patch Kids. Oh, they're sweet. What? They're just covered oh, in salt. I mean, not salt. <laughs> um, <laughs> sour crystals. <laughs> But if you get something that sour, like, it, it's really rough on your tongue, so I suggest pairing it with maybe, like, a water or a soda or something to kind of, like, you know, negate that. Um, <laughs> I, I don't really want to say chocolate because chocolate's, like, really strong and, like, it's the only thing you're eating. So, I don't know. I think if you're going to get go to the movies, get popcorn with maybe <laughs> some chocolate to go with it to kind of sweet and salty. Uh, you know what? I think this requires more research. I got to go to the movies again. <laughs> <laughs> the really fancy movie theaters will have edamame, which is a edamame which is great, is a great snack. Mm-hmm. Warm edamame. You know what? I think that's it for this episode today. Unless you have any <laughs> final final words, I think we should probably end it there. Yeah, I I don't think I can top top warm edamame. Uh, <laughs> and you know what? We didn't mention Macross once. Not even once. Twenty nineteen. You know, I'm not going to say anything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no macross 2019 <laughs> first episode of the year episode five yeah. um next week we'll talk about more things uh, we didn't really give ourselves any homework really this time um aside from just thinking more about games but i think uh it's gonna be a good year 2019 let's go strong let's go hard let's go good <laughs> and don't forget to log out of free wi-fi every now <laughs> log out of free yeah unplug Go for a Uh, walk. Log off. (laughs) Enjoy nature before it all goes away. (sighs) (laughs) Happy January. I am now an old woman. And uh, good year, blimps. Goodbye. Okay, goodbye. (laughs) See ya. (laughs)